with so many podcasts out there, shows can get lost in the shuffle. That's why we implore you to check out Too Many Captains. You can find us at a moviepodcast.com. Five unique takes on Hollywood movies and culture. Find us on Twitter at It's a Film Podcast. Check our intellectual deep dives into theatrical films. Find us on Instagram at Too Many Captains Productions. Unique takes on soundtracks. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Too Many Captains Productions. Find us at a moviepodcast.com on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And now, here comes a new episode of Collateral Cinema. I'm Bo Maddox. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. This is Collateral Cinema. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. Oh yeah, we just smoked what we got, right? Hell yeah, we did. (laughs) (laughs) So what's up, everybody? It's been a while. As you kind of can tell, we've been a little more sporadic in our release uh, dates and everything, but uh, we're going to have our season finale coming very soon. It's going to be the interview with James Franco and Seth Rogen. Duh, we've been very busy, but season season four coming to an end. Duh. It comes to an end, and in between, we talk about great Russian movie. Great Russian movie. <laughs> it's great Russian movie. It's the Black Widow movie from the Marvel movies. We're, we're just we're, maybe we should just do this whole podcast in, in Russian accents, right? Per- perhaps we should. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I can hold it for that long. Uh, Your well, Russian accent is much better than mine. I can do this all day, all day, all day. <laughs> we scared of Baba Yaga. Oh my God! I don't know. Um, yeah, we're talking about Black Widow, the very first Marvel film since. Uh, the end of phase three. I mean, it's the first Marvel film we've had in a year, right? Or from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, anyway. At the very least, I mean, the last one was the Spider-Man movie, right? Uh, no Way Home? Uh, far From Home. Far From Home. Far From yeah, Home. No-, no Way Home is the new one that's coming out in December. Oh, okay. I got it. I got yeah. it. And Far From Home was kind of a bookend epilogue to... Uh, phase three or the Infinity Saga, which is phases one, two, and three of the of the of MCU. Originally, Far From Home was actually was going to be the first movie of Phase Four, but they decided to kind of let it stand as an epilogue to the Infinity Saga. And I think that that is fitting, honestly. I mean, yeah. especially as we all saw how Endgame came together and how everything went down in that story and how it ended so perfectly. Yeah. yeah I mean, it makes sense that there needed to be a little bit of a, of a bookend to that, sort of. Yeah, it know? does. And and I think it shows that 
the the kind of direction that they're going to be going with phase four, you know, moving onward. And so I'm excited to see, I mean, the MCU could have ended with Endgame, and I think everybody would have been fine with that, but there is so much new content to cover. Uh, we've already had three TV series come out this year, all of which are stellar. Uh, I, I want to go out on a limb here and say that Loki is phenomenal. It is one of the best things to come out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the superhero genre in general. And if you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. I mean, obviously, I think you should go into it having already watched Endgame and everything that came before it because it won't make as much sense. But Loki is just so good. WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier I recommend as well for anyone that enjoys the MCU. Uh, and I think all three of these series are going to be important to Phase 4. They are officially a part of Phase 4, by the way. So um, unlike the previous television series on Netflix and whatnot, these ones are actually like part of the canon uh, fully. And, and, and they're actually, the stories are interweaved into the timeline. That being said, Black Widow is kind of its own thing. I mean, the three series that have come out so far, I think are going to have big consequences on the MCU coming forward. This is a movie that actually I think was originally supposed to come out around the time frame that it represents. You know, it takes place between Civil War and Infinity War and covers Natasha's story during that time. And what's really interesting about this movie is that it continues a tradition that you see throughout the MCU in that pretty much each movie kind of, especially as it goes along, kind of has different genre takes and yes. everything. Like, this right here is more like a straight-up action spy thriller with a little bit of family drama thrown in here and there. Yeah, it really is. And it's a really compelling storyline as well. We're not going to get into it, of course, for spoiler reasons, you know? But, I mean, it does tie into Natasha's past and some of her past actions and her regrets and everything. And they do address Budapest, finally. Or, or should I say Budapest? Budapest. Get yeah. it right. As, as she uh, corrects that one new character in the film. Miss Florence Pugh, by the way, who steals the show in this entire well, movie. I was actually talking about the other guy. that, that but, but yes, Florence Pugh and David Harbour, I think, just stole the scene, every scene that they're in. Um, Florence Pugh's chemistry with, with uh, Scarlett Johansson was fantastic. And, and then, of course, uh, David Harbour's character as the Red Guardian is just that's that's the comic relief of the film. And oh, he is great. He's so awesome. I love him. He is great Russian hero. Now, Superhero. People might recognize him from uh, Stranger Things. He's one of the main characters in Stranger Things. And oh, I don't okay. think he has a lot else under his belt as an actor. I don't really think I've seen him in much of anything else. But then again, I haven't really seen Stranger Things. So this is really my first, you know, encounter with this particular actor. And I mean, he stole every scene he was in, but especially the scene where he was with Florence Pugh. Like those were, oh man, those were amazing scenes, actually. And like you said, I mean, she's a breakout character. Uh, obviously, I think they're they're kind of hinting at her taking on the role of the Black Widow, taking on the mantle. And we're not going to get into spoilers for this movie, but I mean, Avengers Endgame has already been out for a while. Yeah. And I mean, everybody knows. OK, so Black Widow is dead. She passed away in Endgame. And now, you know, moving forward, she's uh, Scarlett Johansson obviously is not attached to the cast. I want to say this is probably going to be her last starring role because 
I mean, they had this part of her story to tell. And, and like I said, I, I believe this film actually was supposed to come out in 2016 or 2017 and uh, right after Civil War. And so, you know, they already had the script, but there's not really anywhere else to go. I mean, they could do a prequel, maybe. I just don't see them doing that. Of course, with some of the more, more recent Marvel shows teasing the concept of the multiverse, I guess anything's possible, but... I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this is probably the last time we'll see ScarJo in, in a in a starring role. I mean, she might return for cameos or a voice, possibly, possibly. I don't know if she's gonna I mean, be in the What If series or not. A lot of them are. Yeah, but I mean, ScarJo. I mean, she really like just sunk her teeth into this character, and this is the culmination of all those years of her. You know, just kind of building that this character over time and this is also a perfect epilogue for the or epitaph i should say for the character as well yeah it's a, it's a fitting uh it's a fitting into her. it does work in in yeah. you know the time frame that it came out um you could watch this in release order and and it does it is a fitting end for the character it demonstrates some um parts of her character that maybe we wanted a little bit of closure on finally get to see you know more of her background that that's only been hinted about in the past i mean they mentioned things like the red room and drakov's daughter but this movie actually goes back and shows you some of those things um and and it's a very interesting part of her life too because this is natasha post red room you know she's not hasn't been working for them ever since she defected to shield um, and actually post her Avengers career for the most part, because, you know, with, with the Sokovia Accords and whatnot and her being a fugitive at the end of Civil War, you know, that's something she's dealing with at this point in time is, is the breakup of her new family. And this movie also touches upon a family that she did have growing up, you know, that may not have been her blood relatives, but they were a family unit and, uh, Honestly, like I said, the chemistry shines through between these characters. Uh, Rachel Wise as well, right? Oh, she is amazing as Melina. I mean, and going back to the family unit, I mean, they're pro they're featured prominently in the intro of the movie. Yeah. And honestly, that was where things really got kind of compelling to me because, mm -hmm. I mean, they had a real family dynamic. Yeah. You know, in, in spite of, you know, being spies and everything. So, da, we're, we're, we're a family of Russian spies. God, we do this professionally every day. <laughs> it, is, it is very, very taxing work, but rewarding. Yeah. And it actually deals with a lot of the trauma and uh, what she went through when she was working for that organization. And, and now, you know, they've got an even tighter hold on on the on the black widows and, and we get to see that there you know there are more of them there are you know melina was a black widow yelena is a black widow yeah you know and then uh all these other characters as well that and, and this is actually in the very beginning of the film so we'll go ahead and say this but you know there's mind control involved yeah i really think that eventually we will see the black widows again i think yelena is going to come back yelena is definitely going to come back because i mean well, you'll you'll see if you watch the movie. You'll see. You'll they, see. They they do kind of. I mean, the movie takes place in 2016, but they acknowledge what's come, you know, after, and 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 so you know, yeah, you'll see whenever you watch the movie. But I I thought that it was actually pretty good. 
I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say this is in my top five or top ten MCU movies or anything. You know, this is not one of the best films, uh, but there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I thought it was written decently. Uh, the characters, really awesome. The action scenes, you know, the fighting was really, really good. There were some really cool shots like, you know, uh, Black Widow and Taskmaster, who's the big main villain in this one. Um, although we're not going to get into it, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, you've got those two characters and they're falling, you know, and, 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 and they're just like landing on pieces of things that are falling in the sky. Such a cool scene. <laughs> yeah. The action set pieces throughout are very creative and it very uh, like evocative of their source material. Yeah. I mean, it's like, especially like with the raft. Like, or, or, I mean, or what? I'm, I'm thinking of a different movie. Yeah, The Raft was in Civil War, which <laughs> yeah, yeah, we yeah. watched last night. We watched that. We watched yeah, that's this. Right. That's right. We watched The Raft. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, the ending set piece, which we're not going to get into, obviously. But, I mean, let's just say that it's up in the sky and it <laughs> is really, really elaborate. Yes, yeah. It, it feels very much like, you know, for instance, the helicarrier scene in the in the first Avengers movie. Yeah, reminds me of Bioshock Infinite, kind of. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I see what you're talking about, yeah. Um, I will go out and say this, all right? So this movie does something... This movie does something very similar to what Iron Man 3 was criticized for, um, which is a movie, by the way, that I like. And I actually like the twist that they went with that. But if you were unhappy with that twist, um, if you're like a comic book fan purist, there's something that's probably going to bother you quite a bit about this film. But I would say just look at it as its own thing. The MCU has been doing its own thing. It's inspired by the comics, but they're not afraid to take different corners with the stories and whatnot and, and actually kind of integrate things together. And I admire the MCU for that. For, you know, some people will criticize, well, why does everything have to do with Tony Stark, blah, blah, blah. But I like the way that the Marvel Cinematic Universe actually ties everything together. It makes it more believable and, and immersive. I'm going to say this about this movie. One of its biggest strong points is that it really doesn't have any of the other Avengers in it. It's strictly focused on Natasha and her plight with her family and being a fugitive and everything. Yeah, it, it is uh, one of the first standalone films we've gotten in a while because um, even, even the standalone films or not, you know, or solo films, so to speak, in the MCU recently are typically featuring, you know, other superheroes. So... Even though Thor Ragnarok is Thor's movie, I mean, it features the Hulk and yeah. uh, both the Spider-Man movies feature uh, like a mentor character. So it's been a while since we've had not just a solo film, but like a real solo film. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back like the original, like like the, the, the Iron Man films. Yeah, the, we're very we're very grounded and focused. The very first Iron Man, especially, especially, yeah. But even Iron Man two and Iron Man three, which exists after some of the crossovers are starting to happen, still felt like their own stories. Um, Captain America movies, obviously. I mean, the last Captain America movie was an ensemble movie, so yeah, it practically was like an Avengers movie. Yeah. Honestly. Um, Doctor Strange. That was that was a. Uh, it was a very solo film that didn't make a lot of references to much of anything else. 
Yeah, I have a feeling that's probably what's going to be happening with Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi as well. Yeah. It's going to be very much a standalone thing. And Black Panther was kind of its own thing, too. Very much so, yeah. actually. Yeah, I mean, no no other Avengers. Some characters like Ulysses Claw and Everett Ross show up, but... Yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. But yeah, no, th- this film is... Uh, it is in a lot of ways kind of a return to roots. It does feel very standalone and it, it doesn't feel like it needs to fit anywhere. Cause even black Panther is like, okay, this picks up after civil war. Um, and some of those events are still ongoing. This movie is set in the backdrop of civil war, but it's not too involved in the events. It really is its own self-contained tale. Yeah. The furthest you get into that is in the beginning and the end when you see uh, Ross, you know, when you see him and everything. Right. I mean, that that's really the only actual connection that you have to the previous movies other than in dialogue. I mean, it's 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 brought up quite a bit in the, in the dialogue, but, I mean, you seriously don't see Captain America. You don't see Tony Stark. You don't see uh, Spider-Man or anybody. I'm actually surprised. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm used to not seeing other superheroes in the solo films, but I'm actually surprised by how little reference is made to any of that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the movie really does tell its own story. And so I got to respect uh, what Kate Shortland, the director, and, and the writers did with this. Um, obviously, they were wanting to 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 tell a story. That was their plan. And and. You know, I think this movie ended up getting, being delayed several times, but it actually released at, I think, the perfect time. Because like you said, it does sort of bookend Natasha's journey through the MCU. Um, and it is actually, I think, a great way to start up Phase 4, at least on the film side. And it also is a kind of a beginning point for Yelena as well. Yeah. And, and yes, there is a post credit scene. We're not going to talk about it, but I will say it does set up one of the shows moving forward. So yeah, that's um, all that we'll really say on that. Yeah. Is it, there is a setup in the post credits and, and that's good. Um, but other than that, I mean, the movie is just, is, is just its own thing. And I watched it twice now and I was completely uh, interested the whole time. I mean, it never bored me. Like I said, I, I've seen a little bit of controversy already about this movie because, you know, m- Comic book movie fans are always going to bitch. Yeah, that's true. They're almost as bad as Star Wars fans. Yeah, but that's right. I said it, <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> I, you said it. Come uh, at me. Come at us. Seriously. No, at, no. seriously. Hit us in the DMs. Let us know like why you think this film sucks. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I thought it was okay. And Actually, that's the general consensus I'm seeing is that most people think it, it was actually pretty good. Um, it's definitely a movie that, if it gets a physical release, I actually would not mind putting it in my DVD collection. And you you know me, man. I mean, whenever yeah. I buy DVDs, I mean, I have very specific tastes. I maybe own maybe three superhero movies, one of them being Iron Man. Which is the only MCU film you own, right? Yeah, that's the only MCU film I own. I own the third Spider-Man, and I own Deadpool. So, but... This is actually a movie I would definitely buy and I would actually put on in the background because it's just good enough for the, to do that. Today, yeah, it is a good you know? background movie. You know what's funny is I've taken to doing that a lot with the MCU um, yeah. because I've watched them so many times. I've done like three or four 
you know, rewatches of the MCU, like a whole entire marathons, pretty much before any major movie comes out. I'm like, yeah, let me go ahead and rewatch all the MCU movies. So they're, they're one of those things that I love to put on in the background. And, you know, I don't have to pay attention to because I've seen the movies, you know, anywhere from uh, a few times to dozens of times. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's the thing about me is that I've only been very much a casual consumer of the MCU. So there's a lot of sh- there's a lot of stuff that's missing there for me. And you know, this I mean, movie I didn't I still, rely on that pre-existing knowledge, so it was probably fairly easy for you to follow. It was, yeah. I mean, I've watched pretty much every movie that Black Widow's been in, mostly, yeah. you know, except for maybe like Winter Soldier. I Winter mean, Soldier is good. It's actually it's it arguably is the best made movie in the MCU. Not my favorite, but it's it's definitely probably like the highest quality film. And that that movie is practically a political thriller. Yeah, yeah, it you is. Um, you did watch Civil War with me, which is another Captain America movie that is uh, directed by the Russo brothers. And actually, if I have to suggest anything, I mean. This is not a movie that you really need to go back and watch every MCU film that came before. Like, you don't necessarily need to do a rewatch like you might have wanted to do with Infinity War or Endgame. Yeah. But I would definitely recommend watching Civil War because this movie takes place right after that. Um, or maybe just some of the films that Natasha's in that lead up to that because, I yeah, it was good to kind of revisit that movie before we watch this, right? Definitely. Now, here, here's what I'd like to know. What do you think they're going to do with the the character Yelena coming like going forward from this? Well, I think she's going to take on the mantle of Black Widow and show up in some ensemble films. Is she going to get her own standalone film? Maybe not right now, probably not soon, but yeah, I mean they pretty much have the next phase lined up already. Like, right. Almost the next two phases, right? All of Phase 4 is lined up. Now, uh, several of the films that are supposed to be coming out past that have also been announced. Um, Namely, I know uh, there's going to be a mutant-centered film, Deadpool, Blade. Yeah. Oh, the Blade movie is going to be interesting. Fantastic Four is actually going to be a part of Phase 4, which I was surprised um, because we know next to nothing about that. But that's supposed to come out, and it's directed by John Watts. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, especially since it's slated to be the final film of Phase 4. Well, so far. I mean, I don't know if, if they may add on or whatnot, but... Have they done that before? Have they added on to a phase? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, like I said, Far From Home actually got switched kind of last minute from Phase 4 to Phase 3, but there's been last-minute additions and changes as well. I mean, Black Widow uh, was originally a part of, of, of Phase 3, you know? And there were several movies that ended up getting moved around. It, it happens actually quite frequently. Wow, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. they Now, they did do a good job, though. Whenever they announced everything up to Phase 3, um, most of all of that has remained intact. I mean, it's the same roadmap, but, you know, like a few movies got thrown in there and a few movies got moved around and shifted shifted up. So Black Widow being one of those. Originally, I remember Infinity War... And Endgame were actually Infinity War Parts 1 and 2. Yeah, pretty much. It, it, it was, they, they were it actually was originally like, titled that way. That, that's what they were titled? Yeah, and, oh, then, wow. and then they changed it because they felt that they were different enough to be their own movies. But they, they do still feel very much like two parts of one story. Um, 
this is a movie that thankfully does not need as much background. I mean, this is actually kind of a good movie for a casual fan of the MCU. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much describing me, and I actually took away a lot from this movie. Yeah. I mean, and what was compelling about it, like I said, there was no real actual connection to any of the other Avengers or anything like that. We don't see any cameos. But also, it's just the actual character dynamics. This is a this is an extremely character-driven movie yeah. right here. Probably even more so than any other Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Yeah, arguably, yeah. This movie is very character-driven, and I did appreciate that quite a bit. Um, I will say, I don't know if it's... If you've never seen a Marvel Cinematic Universe film before, you know, is this the one that you need to watch first? Probably not. But if you're like a casual fan, like, you know, you've seen some here and there. You probably went to go see the Avengers films in theaters, maybe saw Captain America movie here or there or whatever. Um, this is definitely uh, a recommendation, I think, for, for that kind of a because you're going to get a lot out of this experience. You're not going to have to have remembered everything that tied in, you know, with the other films. And so it is kind of a nice respite. Yeah, I mean, it's such a self-contained story that, I mean, it can actually probably stand up to a few rewatches. Like I said, yeah. this, this could easily be good background uh, watching, you know? Like if you're studying or something. Yeah. Like, I mean, because this is one of the Marvel Cinematic Universes where, yeah, the story has a lot of twists and turns to it. But, I mean, you don't really need to pay attention to it that much, you know? yeah. I think on the second rewatch, you know, the rewatch with you, you know, I, I zoned out or went to the bathroom a couple times or the kitchen or whatever. And yeah, I, I still felt like I watched the movie from beginning to end. So I I, I would argue that there is a, a little bit of filler in this movie. I don't know that it quite justifies its length. Um, and then and that's just a nitpick, if anything. I mean, it's not a glaring issue, but. I, I guess parts of the film do sort of stretch on more than they probably needed to in retrospect. A few scenes here and there. But I was yeah. never bored. I never felt like it dragged on. So I will say that. Yeah, I mean, it hit its story beats pretty quickly. But, I mean, where, where would you suppose the film kind of lagged, though? Like, where, where would you say those parts really came up? I mean, I, I definitely I feel like the intro scene was probably much, much longer than it needed to be because, you know, I'm watching this. And I remember watching that. That's the first thing. And I'm like, do we need to be showing all of this? Is this all going to come up later? Um, although it was good for, like, establishing those characters and establishing that family. I just maybe it didn't need to be as long as it they, was. They probably could have cut a few things out. But, I mean, they do kind of book in the end of this movie kind of the same way that they began. Yeah, that's true. They, they, they tie the beginning to the ending a little bit. Yeah, so. and maybe midway through, once the family kind of gets together and we have the reunion, that probably went on a little bit longer than it should have before we kind of went into the climax, third act of the film. So I, I, guess, I, I guess I would say the second act um, seems to kind of drag on. I mean, the second act is basically just the family reunion, if you think about it. It pretty much is, which is interesting in its own way. I kind of wish that they would have gotten to that a little sooner in the movie. Well, there's probably. there's no action for that, you know, like middle third of the movie. Yeah, and, and that's where the family drama part comes in. Yeah. You know, it, it really kind of turns into a family drama, and you're kind of exploring the relationship of these people who were pretty much just playing family. But, I mean, 
now they're just kind of a family again, and the dynamics doesn't seem like they changed that much. No, they didn't. In fact, these are these are characters that are still kind of learning how to be a family, even all these years afterward. You know? Yeah. Uh, and and I and I do like that focus on family. It, it's kind of. Uh, reminiscent of for instance the guardians of the galaxy films um which are very family themed and, and, and demonstrate you know all the aspects of being a family which includes um you know your your, your faults and your bickering and whatnot this movie takes that kind of to its logical extreme i mean you've got a uh, a family quote unquote you know a staged family of russian spies who, you know, were kind of like forced into this unit and aren't sure whether or not, you know, it was the family that they wanted or needed. Well, I mean, don't they say that, you know, sometimes the best family is the family that you make for yourself? That, yeah, and you know? that's true. But see, we're like the guardians are people that like chose their family. These were still people that were forced into a situation, into a unit that they didn't choose. You know, these yeah, aren't the people right. that they put into their lives. And yet they still have that connection because these are the people you were raised by or that you raised or that you lived in a household with for your for formative years of your life. Oh, yeah, of course. And I mean, I think the best scene is uh, the scene with uh, David Arbor and Florence Pugh in that particular second act of the film. I mean, I don't want to get too deep into what they were talking about, but it's a very heartfelt moment and it really it really shows the great dynamic between the uh, actors in this movie. Like, not only between uh, ScarJo and Florence Pugh, but Florence Pugh and David Arbor. Yeah, and also exactly. Rachel, and Rachel Weisz as well. And Rachel Weisz as well, who is actually a really interesting character because you're not really sure where her loyalty lies. You know, you think, you know, is she the mom that she that she wants to be, or is she really in line with? you know, Drakov and, and, and the Red Room, and or, you're not really sure. Whereas, like, you know, David Harbour, you know, he's got nothing else. They, they busted him out of jail. So <laughs> Yeah, he has nothing to go back to. Anyway. Exactly. So, and he's just kind of clinging on to his glory years as the Red Guardian. You know, he's, uh, he's, he's overweight, and he's um, kind of washed out. He's been in prison for all this time, and he seems to want to have something to prove all the time. Like, oh, well, I was... I was the Russian Captain America, you know, and, and Captain. I, w- Am- I was Russian Captain America. I I would have been just as big as him. Yeah, exactly. He's kind of got this like one-sided rivalry going on, and Steve Rogers likely never met him or remembered him. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, honestly. I mean, one of the characters calls bullshit on it, right? <laughs> well, remember back in the day, you know. I mean, Captain America was busy punching Nazis instead of commies. So, well, he would have been asleep <laughs> during the Red Guardian's glory years. That's the thing. <laughs> oh, okay, I I see. He would have been asleep, huh? Yeah, he would have still been in the ice. Oh shit! Because think about it. I mean, he was. I mean, I don't know how long the Red Guardian was the Red Guardian, but that's actually the point that the one of the characters makes is that you know he he mentions, oh, you you did this in '83 or '84. Captain America was in the ice. <laughs> I mean, if you think about from World War II to the early two thousands, are you calling me liar? Yeah, and and I love I love that that scene actually because he's he seems to be just kind of fucking with these other prisoners. Yeah, like totally. He's arm wrestling them, and it looks like he's kind of struggling. But then you realize, like, when he breaks that dude's wrist with no effort, that obviously <laughs> he's just fucking with them. Obviously, I mean. 
And he's a great character. I mean, I, I really enjoyed his banter with everybody. Yeah, he was actually really great. You know what's funny, too, is he was completely useless. If you look at, like, the final battle, like, what did he do? <laughs> well, he fought Taskmaster. Master. I mean, I believe that that's a scene that's shown in the trailer, right? They show yeah. him fighting Taskmaster. He got his ass kicked by Taskmaster. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then again, so did everybody. So, I mean, obviously, people that are familiar with Taskmaster from the comics, that's the character who can, uh, he can mimic anybody's abilities. He has, like, a photographic memory. He shows up in the Spider-Man PS4 game. He shows up in the Avengers game. Wow. Yeah, and he's actually, in both scenarios, he's, he's kind of hard to fight because he, you know, counters all of your moves by using the same moves. And I like how in this movie, you know, they have Taskmaster uh, actually demonstrating all of the abilities of the Avengers. I mean, there's the shield toss. Yeah. There's the, the the Black Panther claws. Oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. A lot of Black Widow movement, obviously, because, you know, Taskmaster is fighting there's a there's a moment like where he, there's a moment where uh, Taskmaster has a, a bow and arrow a like Hawkeye, Hawkeye. Yeah. yeah yeah they actually did a really cool job of uh, of uh, of showing all of that and, and and demonstrating all of these characters movements into that villain who's who's actually an interesting villain on that premise alone you know yeah he yeah Taskmaster is very compelling I, I keep on fucking up trying to say Taskmaster <laughs> but. I mean, the mimic ability is almost flawless here. I mean, yeah, it, it must have taken some really like pristine fight choreography to really get this down. The and, fight choreography is so yeah, good, and not not and not just you know make compelling fight scenes featuring Black Widow, but with Taskmaster, you know, like imbuing all of the Avengers, you know, moves and everything with actual believability. Yeah, exactly. You know? It actually, I mean, especially when she, well, yeah, especially when Taskmaster goes full uh, Black Panther. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I think overall the film was, was enjoyable both times over. I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I never felt uninterested. I'd watch it again. I mean, we've actually kind of got it playing right now in the background um, on mute. And this is, it's a very, very uh, compelling movie. It's a very, you know, you, you are invested in the characters. You're invested in the story. It's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a aesthetically pleasing movie. It really is. It's not the worst-looking MCU movie, to be honest. It, yeah. It's not the best-looking one. There, there's know? a good diversity of color, and uh, a lot of the cinematography is, is, is pretty cool. But a lot of the cinematography, it really fits in with the spy genre type of feel that yes. they're going for. Yeah, it does, feel like a, it does feel like a spy movie, you know? Um, and, and you've even got, uh, you know, Black Widow... Uh, in that new that new like winter outfit that looks really cool. Yeah. By the way, did we mention the movie is a little bit meta? I mean, at 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 this point in the MCU, a lot of the movies are starting to become kind of self aware, and they actually make a joke about a running gag in the story about uh, Natasha's you know uh, landing pose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if, yeah. Uh, Elena just totally lampshades it. It's hilarious. I mean, Deadpool kind of lampooned that back in uh, Deadpool 2. But yeah, yeah, 
to- total lampshading. Uh, and I love how uh, Yelena actually keeps bringing that up in the movie. Um, that was actually one one of the better running gags. It really was. <laughs> and, and it made Yelena's character such a joy to watch. I mean, Florence Pugh just really went for it here. And she, like we said earlier, she's one of the breakout characters in this movie. She's one of the breakout actors, I should say. Yeah, there is. There's, there's the moment where she makes fun of it right there. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she's she's so funny. And I, I love her interactions you know, on screen with Scarlett Johansson. Uh, you can tell that she has talent. I can't wait to see more of her in the MCU. I, I'm totally okay with Yelena Belova as the new Black Widow. I believe she's the third character in the comics to take a mantle, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. After Natasha Romanoff. So don't quote me on that. I'm not a comic reader, but I and, do my research. And if you want more of Florence Pugh, check out Midsommar. Yeah. Made by, directed by Ari Oster. It's a superb film. Might even do it on the podcast sometime. I don't know. Seems like one we probably need to talk about, right? It, it is. It's it's a well liked movie and talked about quite a bit. So yeah, but what are what are your final thoughts on Black Widow, Bo? I think that as a standalone MCU movie, this is right on point. It's exactly what I would expect from that type of movie. Uh, the actual genre setting is actually utilized well here. It it feels every bit a spy. Uh, thriller and whatnot but the the family drama also adds a little bit of complexity even if it is a little drawn out but i feel that this is at least worth a watch you know maybe even buy it and put it on as background noise i mean it's not anything that you really want to pay a whole lot of attention to but it's most notable because of the breakout uh, role of florence Pugh. Yeah. Like, I think that it's really, really worth it as a Florence Pugh movie. If you're a fan of her as an actress, this movie will really just, like, satiate your need for more Florence Pugh. So There you go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. She's She is one of the breakout performances. Uh, I, I, I got to agree with you. This is a very typical MCU movie. I mean, it's right on the same beat. It's not one of those ones that's like, Oh my gosh, I I can't believe I was a part of that experience. Like, you know, watching Infinity War and Endgame in theaters. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not, you know, like Winter Soldier level or Thor Ragnarok level or Black Panther, but it it is, I think, one of the better films. Uh it doesn't have any glaring problems. Uh, you know, doesn't doesn't feel generic or forgettable. I, I think this is one of the ones that, you know, uh I will always look back on and 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 uh yeah, you know, when I'm doing my MCU marathons, there are some that I'm not as excited about watching. I'm kind of like, eh. Half the time, I actually skip The Incredible Hulk because yeah. it, it's not done by Marvel Studios and none of the events of the film have any bearing on anything else. And, and it's just so jarring because Edward Norton and Mark Ruffalo are nothing alike. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can do Terrence Howard and, Ta- and Don Cheadle because they actually, at their heart, portray the same character that's right you mean don cheadle the greatest gamer of all time yeah the gamerist of gamers don cheadle you know i remember i was watching you know original iron man the other day and i'm watching terrence howard and it's funny every time he opens his mouth i can see don cheadle saying the same thing yeah um they look very different they're nothing they look nothing alike but he actually does they, they actually do portray the same character well can't say the same for ed norton and mark ruffalo they just don't feel like the same character 
Well, Ed Norton is a very idiosyncratic kind of actor, you know, and also yeah. he's a very controlling actor. Like he's always really, really involved in his role. That's so, true. So I mean, it, yeah, his, his I don't know version, if he would have shared the limelight as well with no, the Avengers. No, he wouldn't have. Honestly, I think that he probably would have been a detriment to the uh, character dynamic in those movies. Yeah, honestly. But but, but this movie, yeah, watch it. it. It's pretty okay. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I recommend it for obviously MCU fans. You're gonna watch this one. Um, but also, you know, like I said, casual move, casual Marvel movie fans. Uh, I would say check it out. I mean, if you don't like superhero movies at all, um, it's probably not going to be your thing. But who knows? Maybe this is something you could give a shot because it's less superhero and more spy. It actually really is. None of the things that happen in this movie are particularly superhuman, right? I mean... No, it's a very straightforward and grounded movie. So, I mean, really, it's not even a superhero movie. So, yeah. I mean, even if you don't like superhero movies, you might you might enjoy this. Yeah, if, if you like spy thriller type movies, you'll get something out of this. And have at least a passing knowledge of, of the Marvel Universe, of Marvel Cinematic Universe and yeah, where the yeah. characters have been. Um, but, yeah, no, no, I think it's great. It stands on its own. Uh, and that actually is a, a nice brush of breath of fresh air because... All of the more recent Marvel Cinematic Universe films have all been very dependent on knowledge of the other films. Yeah, and uh, this is kind of a kind of a return to form in a lot of ways, and we'll definitely get more of that intertangledness. And we are with the TV shows. It's actually funny that the TV shows right now are the ones that are being more serious and are like really integral to what's going to be going on in the MCU in the future, and and heavily dependent on references to other things, whereas the movie is the thing that's just kind of like a, oh, yeah, I mean, this is sort of a filler. Yeah, you know? definitely. It is. It's, it's like a filler arc of an anime, but like but like a good filler, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, that's probably the most succinct description. Yeah, yeah, like an enjoyable filler. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess that's all we have to say about it before without going into spoilers here. I mean, there are a couple things we could talk about on that note, but I think the next MCU movie that we're going to be doing... Uh, and at the theaters episode on is probably going to be Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, definitely. We're definitely going to have to join the coverage on that one. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about Shang-Chi or Eternals. We may or may not, but definitely want to do Spider-Man if we have to pick and choose. Oh, um, yeah, certainly. Yeah. And I think this was a good one to do because it was uh, it is the first phase four film. And uh, it's the start of us getting, you know, getting I think we're getting three other movies this year. Like, yeah. What the fuck? And I it, like two or three other TV shows still. What the fuck do you have on, Bo? Oh, I don't know. We have something on YouTube and it's nasty. It's like, oh god, <laughs> what the fuck? But yeah, and you heard it. You heard it at the beginning of this podcast, folks. Our next episode is going to be our season finale. We're going to be talking about the interview. I'm looking forward to that movie, actually. Yeah, I am, and and maybe I will get my boy from Collateral Gaming, Zach, on that. Um, I think he expressed interest in it. And by the way, speaking of Collateral Gaming, we're reaching our season finale soon as well. Uh, we're going to be ending sometime next month, but we're doing our own uh, brand new game coming out. In fact, it just installed on my console. Well, actually, it installed on my console like a week ago, but it just was available to play 
So I'm going to be playing that tonight. Skyward Sword HD. I love Zelda. Um, I loved Skyward Sword when it came out. I remember pre-ordering that back in 2011. Oh, yeah. So it's oh, going to yeah. be a lot of fun to talk about this game now on the Switch and see how well they were able to bring that classic onto the new console. Uh, and then our next main episode we're going to be doing is going to be Sonic 06, our first and only bad game review of the season. And then finally, our season finale on the Quantic Dream games. Excellent. Excellent. Um, that being specifically Beyond Two Souls and Heavy Rain. Awesome. Yeah, Heavy Rain is a really good game, honestly. Yeah. So we're doing a two-part episode on that. That's going to be a lot of fun. I think we're going to even throw in like a, a direct uh, a bonus round episode on uh, on uh, uh, Detroit Become Human. <laughs> oh, cool. Excellent. But and with Collateral Cinema, we are intending to continue doing the uh, director's cut biweekly during our break, right? Yes, exactly. We're going to do um, probably a commentary next time. Yeah, imagine. let's do it. And on a side note, if you've made it this far into the podcast, we're releasing this like warts and all. Like I'm not doing any editing on this. <clears throat> there might be some automation issues. I don't know. But I mean, <laughs> the, we're, we're just there we're was just, there was a slip there. But you know what? Yeah, we're, we're just going. We're, we're just, just going to go with it. it. We're going with it. Whatever. <laughs> but anyway, where can we find Collateral Cinema and Collateral Gaming? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts at. If there's anywhere we're not on, let us know. We want to know because uh, I want to be telling the truth when I say everywhere you get your podcasts. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, If you are not subscribed to our Patreon, and actually you're not because I think we have like one patron. If you're Mm -hmm. the one patron listening, then just skip the next 10 seconds. Otherwise, um, go check out our Patreon, Collateral Cinema and Collateral Gaming. Uh, We like to release some commentaries on there, and and that's pretty cool. I mean, we're doing the the commentaries on the director's cut as well, but our patron commentaries are going to be some of our uh, some of our favorite films, or even some of the films that we've done during the season that uh, you know we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, or or just maybe one-offs here or there. Yeah. Yeah, so. That was that, that. That's pretty cool. Um, season five is coming out, guys. I don't know. I guess. I guess on our next episode, we'll go ahead and reveal what we're going to be starting with. But yeah, yeah. I, I was about to say it, but you know, screw it. Yeah, let's let's wait till the next wait. episode. Yeah, let's, let's wait. wait. Okay, we're going to announce it on the season finale. And I'm probably going to just go ahead and once we get the uh, season list together, I'll probably just go ahead and release it and just let just let everybody know what we're going to be doing. Screw it. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, thank you for listening. Once again, if there's any audio issues, I'm sorry. We're just going to release this just for the fuck of it. Fuck it. And with all of that said, I'm Bo Maddox. And I'm Smashly Pantsler. And this is Collateral Cinema at the Theater episode. Go check out Black Widow.
Collateral Cinema is a Collateral Media podcast. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.